0: And so something that people don't know about me, I guess two things. One, uh, I, I jumped out of an airplane, perfectly good one, when I was 40 years old to get a little adrenaline. I, I tend to be a bit of an adrenaline guy. I don't drive as fast as I used to, but I used to drive really fast. I like to drive fast cars. I like to jump out of planes. I like to do those types of things, even though some things I only do once. Uh, my, my East Coast Italian bride is, and I have been together for 30 years. And. And uh, she told the guy that was jumping, I was jumping out of the plane with, who was on tandem with me, that if the chute didn't open, make sure I died when I hit the ground, because <laughs> she didn't want to take care of me the rest of her life. So, okay. so that give you a little insight as to who we are as a family. But that being said, the other thing you probably don't know about me is uh, few people do. Is some people know I was a funeral director. Most people don't know that I really made my first fortune as certainly as a 25 year old man uh or 23 year old man embalming bodies for a living so all the funeral homes in the Scranton area I would that I had as clients I would get up at two o'clock in the morning three o'clock and whatever and I would embalm bodies on the side so I'd get two or three hours of sleep a night most nights and uh embalm bodies for you know that extra you know two three four five couple hundred bucks a pop whatever it was my first make a living from nine to five and fortune from five to nine.
1: Hey, law firm owners, welcome to the Your Practice Master podcast. We're your hosts. I'm MPS.
0: Hey, and I'm Richard James. And today, Michael, I don't know, I think we got a pretty interesting guest.
1: Or he at least likes to think so. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Today, we've got uh, Mr. Richard James with us. We thought this would be a fun little episode for you guys to get a little peek behind the curtain or peek behind the mic if you're listening to get a better understanding of who Rich is and who it is delivering this podcast on a weekly basis and why we have credibility to do so. So this is going to be a fun episode. We want you guys to enjoy this and get some insight into Rich's journey as an entrepreneur and how he is to where he is today, working with law firm owners like yourself. So Rich, why don't we kick off strong and start with something? Obviously, I'm your son. I know a lot, but why don't you start with something maybe not everybody knows about you?
0: Yeah. So, And by the way, just a plus one on what you said, since I am am a part-time host of this scenario today being the guest. But I do want to add in our mission of this podcast is really to give value to all the uh, attorneys out there listening to this. And so while our conversations are not going to be about our journey in law, it is an entrepreneurship journey. And so, you know, if you're an entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurial attorney, hopefully you'll gain some value out of today's conversation and some lessons learned. And so something that people don't know about me, I guess two things. One, uh, I, I jumped out of an airplane, perfectly good one when I was 40 years old to get a little adrenaline. I, I tend to be a bit of an adrenaline guy. I don't drive as fast as I used to, but I used to drive really fast. I like to drive fast cars. I like to jump out of planes. I like to do those types of things, even though some things I only do once. Uh, my my East Coast Italian bride is and I've been together for 30 years. And and uh, she told the guy that was jumping, I was jumping out of the plane with, who was on tandem with me, that if the chute didn't open, make sure I died when I hit the ground, because <laughs> she didn't want to take care of me the rest of her life. So that okay. gives you a little insight as to who we are as a family. But that being said, the other thing you probably don't know about me is, uh, few people do, is some people know I was a funeral director. Most people don't know that I really made my first fortune, as certainly as a 25-year-old man. Uh, or 23 year old man embalming bodies for a living. So all the funeral homes in the Scranton area, I would that I had as clients, I would get up at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock, and whatever, and I would embalm bodies on the side. So I'd get two or three hours of sleep a night, most nights, and uh, embalm bodies for you know that extra, you know, two, three, four, five, couple hundred bucks a pop, whatever it was. It's my first make a living from nine to five, and fortune from five to nine.
1: That's actually a pretty good segue into, I'm sure a lot of people actually don't know that about you. So that's a good segue into your journey as an entrepreneur. Now, I know there's obviously different points of this journey, but why don't, from a high-level perspective, you take them through the funeral home, excuse me, to where you are now? Like, what, what did that journey look like?
0: Yeah, I think I need to back just one step uh, before the funeral home, uh, only to give it some premise. The premise is that uh, the very first thing I learned to do as an entrepreneur was to sell. Now, much like a lot of the attorneys that we have listening to this, the reason they got into opening their own practices, they didn't want to be under somebody else's thumb. They thought if they were going to work 70 hours a week, why not do it for themselves? Maybe they wanted better pay. Maybe they wanted freedom. There was lots of reasons for them to do it. Maybe they didn't have a choice. I I don't know. But for me, it was all of those things. And I chose to be an entrepreneur. And the first skill I learned was selling. And So the very first business I owned was selling life insurance. And I learned all of the mechanics of sales and selling. And I think you can relate to that too, right, Michael?
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I would go a step further and I would say, in my mind, the most important skill that an entrepreneur can learn is the skill to sell. I think it's yeah. a skill that serves entrepreneurs the best among all of the other attributes. I think that is a primary function that if an entrepreneur cannot learn to sell, they better be partnered with someone that can. What about you? Yeah,
0: No, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, something has to be sold at some point. And we watch that with law firms all the time that a lot of them think that people are just going to show up to their door and hand them the money. And those are the it, ones it, that have only the, worked, the lowest like... conversion well, right. I so, like that it doesn't work like that.
1: Me too, <laughs> because now you get the art of the closing the deal, and there's something so fascinating and rewarding about that. So you started in insurance; that's where you kind of uh, grind it out to learn how to sell. What, what happened next? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I was a bit of a bum. So I, you know, I didn't have my act together. And so my uncle, what my grandfather died when I was 22 and my uncle grabbed me by the shirt collar after my grandfather's funeral and said, Hey, you know, I, I, your grandfather died. I could use some help in the funeral business. You, I know you don't like the business, but maybe I can show you how to be a man because you're not much of one right now. And maybe I can show you how to run a business and give you a skill that you can use with, you know, you obviously learn how to sell. It didn't take me too long because my life was headed in the wrong direction. So I, I, you know, I need a change. And so it was the right decision. I was scared to death, no pun intended, of the, change because I didn't like the funeral business like I I didn't I would I'd go see grandma and grandpa and I would just go right up the stairs because they lived above the funeral home and and so I would just go right up the stairs and I wouldn't go through the funeral home at all because I freaked me out completely whereas your mom she's a nurse she would go down in the embalming room and see the whole process and so I was like I thought she always thought she was a little weird and then you know lo and behold I I had to do that in order to you know obviously get my license and go through that process so I got fully immersed into the funeral business and and the part of the funeral business that I think was that, that I enjoy the most, uh, one, one, I didn't realize I was going to enjoy was the art of it. The, there's obviously science to it, but the art side of it. Mm-hmm. So making somebody look presentable to their family, which I thought was really uh, cool, but but also the service side of it. So learning how to serve families in boy their darkest time. Right. And, and how to give how to be that rock for them during difficult times and that served me really well. So now I now I filled it with sales, I, I knew how to close deals and I used that technique in the funeral business to maximize value and, and then I I learned how to serve families and and I my uncle when he brought me in I I just asked him to promise me that by the time I was 25 he would sell me my first funeral home cuz I knew he was thinking about retiring and he did. He, he promised me by 25 he would. And I, at 25, I bought my first funeral home from him and ended up with uh, another one that I bought and he and I built one together on the side and and off we were. So we were kind of, for those years when I was 20s, in my twenties something we were uh, working a lot of hours.
1: Got it. And so you learned to sell in the insurance business. You learned to serve in the funeral business. So those were like the two common traits that you picked up throughout there that obviously... Are the backbone and foundation of everything you do in a business predominantly which are two very important skills to learn so what happened next you obviously transitioned out of the funeral business at some point what led to that and and what came after
0: i i love sales and i love marketing and i use both of those things obviously in the insurance business and i try to use them in the funeral business but no matter How many times I put a sign on the side of the building said, buy one, get one free? I couldn't really drive results. Like you couldn't convince anybody to really want to die, right? And so I I get that. I was never mad about that, but I I wanted to figure it out. And my uncle, you know, after I bought my, after we had our third location, uh, two of them, which were mine, he just said, and I was going to go buy a fourth. And he just said to me one night, you're never going to change this business he goes, you've, you've developed the skills, you need to go do something else. And so with the blessing of the fourth generation, I went in search of the next company I was going to buy. And I read a great book by Richard Parker called How to Buy a Good Business at a Great Price. And I went on, took every advice he, he had. I called him up personally or sent him a, an email. And then he called me up and said, hey, you sound like a young man and you sound like you're serious. And he offered to mentor me. And I was like blown away. And he did. And he mentored me through my first process. And I bought my first business. And first business after the funeral business that was and it was a pet supply company and like the transition specialized yeah 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 yeah. I mean who who draws this up insurance business funeral business pet supply business right so I was service service product right so I was service business insurance business service business and funeral business and then product business so now I had uh warehouses and I had manufacturing plants in China and I had distribution centers and I had I mean uh, every a major moving part in a business I had, we had a market, we had a sell, we had a full sales team, full phone sales team, full marketing team, full warehouse team, you know, the, the whole nine yards. And so I was now, I was very used to working hard, And I used my skills that I'd learned. And by the way, I learned how to serve. So we we applied service to customer service and we had extremely high marks from our clients or customers, I should say. Uh, They were were small mom and pop pet stores and they loved doing business with us because we just had a crazy high service level. But now I was in the product business, something I didn't know a lot about. And I tried to, I grew it. We grew it like 1500% really quickly. But mm-hmm. in the product business, it's all about inventory, right? How many sizes, how many shapes, how many styles, how many of everything. And so we had millions of dollars leveraged to bring in these product, proper products. And then 2008 hit, and I, I like the joke, You know, the, pets, the pet supply industry is uh, cool. It almost seems recession proof, but at the end of the day, fish don't fetch, right? People like their cats and dogs a heck of a lot better than they like their fish. And you know, if you look at today, What is this almost, oh my gosh, a long time later, right? How many actual people have an aquarium in their house these days? And the answer is not, not very many. And so that industry literally went away on us. Yeah. And so that was a lesson. We we lost everything in that business because the recession hit and, and nobody were buying aquarium decor. And we went from 3000 mom and pop pet stores in the country to 500 mom and pop pet stores in the country that had fish aquarium stuff. And we quickly went under.
1: Well, so each business has had a, a primary either skill or lesson that came from it. You had sales, you had service. What came out of the pet supply business?
0: Avoid debt at all costs. Okay. So I promised myself any business going forward, I wouldn't have debt. Matter of fact, I just broke that rule uh, this last year. I put a side investment into a trucking company because once you start making money, now you got to know how to invest it and put it places. And I was looking for alternative investments. And I bought some semi-trucks. Long story. Suffice it to say, I I took a loan on them because I was going to try to leverage the ROI. And uh, a couple of things went awry here or there. It was no big deal, but I just not long ago, about three, two, three, four weeks ago, I just went down to the bank and paid the note off because I just hated that feeling of having the debt. I know lots of successful entrepreneurs who have debt and they use debt in a healthy way. And if you're buying real estate and you're doing it healthfully, which means fundamentally no more than like 60% leverage, then then you're, you're, you're probably going to be fine with no problems. But I, per- personally for me, I've seen from, I I saw my business get destroyed by just having way too much over leveraged high interest debt. And then I've watched now clients, law firms that we've worked with through the years, think that they could finance their way to their future and to success and to their Mm -hmm. growth. And one little thing tips the scale and that debt just swallows them whole. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And so, yeah, I am not a fan of debt at all. I, I try to be as debt free as I possibly can.
1: Understandably so. Uh, We're we're pulling good lessons out out of each of these now. Obviously, I'm sure everybody's wondering. Okay, uh, funeral home, pet supply business. How did you start working lawyers?
0: You know, so we mom and mom and I moved to. Sorry, my wife. It's your mom, but anyway, my wife Maria and I moved to Phoenix, as you well know, in 2008. And we were. I was bald and cold, and I needed a change because you know we had just went through this major loss, and so. Mom went back into nursing to make sure we paid the bills and she had health insurance while I went to figure out what I was gonna do. And I had st- I started a couple of side businesses again. You, you, you've heard these stories, you know. I had a day trading business, and I had a foreign currency trading business, and I did a few things to figure out how to make money. And I tried a different variations of them, and some of them worked really well, and some of them have really funny stories. But suffice it to say, I was in a mastermind. I was my mentor was Dan Kennedy. I was being mentored by him through his books and his newsletters, and and so. Dan Kennedy was my mentor and he had a mastermind program that he was an affiliate of his in Phoenix. And 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 it was actually one of the things on my bucket list or my checklist if we were gonna move, I wanted there to be a GKIC affiliate, which was a Dan Kennedy affiliate. So I was in his mastermind and I was you know, doing what I do, which is share business thoughts or ideas of what I've gone through and see if they can apply to the other business owners. And the one guy's business was just a hot mess. And he would always bring his problem and I would always give him the solution. And then he finally came to me afterwards one day and said, hey, can I hire you as a consultant? I'm like, sure, why not? And, And so I did it. And then I fixed his business. And then he wanted me to have a more important role with his business. And then he said, hey, do you think what you did for me will work for my clients? And his clients were attorneys. And that's when I started traveling the country teaching what I call the DNA of the seven figure law firm, because this guy had a business traveling the country teaching attorneys kind of how to market and run their law firms. And so I handled the systems and operations and lead conversion side of that story. And so. I, I, all of my examples were from the insurance business, the funeral business, the pet supply business, foreign currency or day trading business, but I didn't have any law firm stories. And, and But despite that, when I presented my first presentation, it was October of 2008, I uh, made that first presentation, The uh, a law firm saw me present and hired me to come in and do an audit of their firm. And I was like, wait, what? You know, like I'd known nothing. I'd never known nothing. And the only thing I knew about, you know, a law firm was the guy I had to hire to help me with my chapter 11 for the pet supply business that we had to wind down. And right. I didn't know anything about how his firm operated. So I'm in this business knowing nothing. I just stepped in and applied my my thought processes. And that's how I got started. And, and I, I was honest with, I really never did it before, but he still wanted to pay me to come in and do it. So I did it. And I Wrote up my report. It was like ten thousand word report or whatever, and gave it to him. and And I saw him that long ago. He told me he still he still refers to that report today. So that's what taught me that maybe I could do something with this.
1: Got it. So we transitioned into law firm owners, which brings us to obviously present day. There was a. I, I think you could probably do a podcast episode on the journey from that point to even just right now. But we're, we're yeah. here, so. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot to it, right? There, there, there's a lot of lessons, a lot of um, downturns. There, there's a lot to it. So on the topic of kind of downturns and lessons, what would you say? I know the recession was one of them and obviously going through, you know, what you did with the pet supply company. But what would you say was one of those failure points or low points that you were able to take something out of?
0: Yeah, so the number one lesson for me that came out of the low points, regardless, was that all of these businesses, even though one was a, three were service businesses or four were service businesses and one was a product business, they are all the same. So mm-hmm. at their core, they all had the same fundamental principles, and that's what hit me when I was able to do this with law firms. I was like, "Oh, wait, this works." And so the part of the story that we didn't talk about was just after I, another guy saw me speak at one of these events and then asked me to come start a firm with him in Phoenix and prove that all my ideas really worked. And we, we did, we started that firm together and we literally shared an executive suite. He sat on one side of the desk and I sat on the other side of the desk. And we grew that firm from two guys in a room sharing a desk to, you know, three and a half million in annual gross sales in just a couple of years. And that was a great success story. And And he was able to take vacations and make money and all that stuff he was never able to do before, but we were only able to do that. Because, well, obviously he had a bar card, so that was the one way we were able to do it. The other way we were able to do it was because I had figured out, and I get credit for this, was that running a law firm was no different than running any other business right. in many, many, many ways. Sure, there are idiosyncrasy differences, and there are practice area differences. But fundamentally, this idea of a client attraction and making sure finance and profit is in the right order and making sure the workflow is in the right order and making sure the people are in the right order, they're all the same systems fundamentally, and and they're just mm-hmm. replaced. It. And so that was the biggest lesson that came out of my transitions, losses, movements from one industry to the other. And that was the aha moment that I had that I did not see. And I will tell you, I did not see it. Like I can't, this was not no, some grand scheme. Like when I was in the mastermind program in Phoenix in 2008, and I'm just giving advice to everybody else, I still didn't see it. I heard Dan Kennedy say it, but I didn't see the application to me until I got to apply it. And the moment I got Mm -hmm. to apply it, I was like, oh, wait, what I learned fixed the consulting business that I fixed. Then it fixed the law firm that I fit, you know, fit. Oh, okay. so this will work. And so that was the big. So if I can get attorneys to realize that, you know, look, if you're a business transactional attorney in Idaho and you see somebody that's a bankruptcy attorney in Scranton or a PI attorney in California, the similarities that run through your business are much more, much greater than the inconsistencies or the differences that run through your business.
1: Well put. And it's something that I think it takes a lot of people to come around to and usually not until they're in it in some way, shape or form, right? Like we've got all the clients in Partners Club and many of them start in Partners Club and, you know, oh, I'm in this practice area. It's nothing like any of these businesses. And then you start to implement and realize that it's really the same thing over and over for every single law firm and really every single business. So I think that's good insight. So we got a double whammy there. We got to learn the lesson and the aha moment. And those two were both kind of combined into one and in the same. So from a success standpoint, you know, what do you do on a daily basis or a consistent basis that leads to the continued success?
0: Yeah. So I would tell you that uh, discipline, in my opinion, is the greatest success. So I, I was, as I said, a bit of a loser in my late teens. And it was my uncle who grabbed me by the collar and he gave me forced discipline. You know, I never went to the military. I'm inspired by those who do go to the military. Had I gone to the military, I think I I feel like I might have had an easier time than my uncle gave me because he really... Drilled at home and, you know, acted like a drill sergeant to me and and made sure he micromanaged everything I did in the in the early days. And so I learned the art of dis. Well, I, I learned the value of discipline. I started to see, oh, well, if you're disciplined about this and you work at it diligently, then it pays off and it equals this result. And so when I saw that, and I put two and two together, I started becoming really, uh, you know, probably over the top, right, leaning right all the way to the right about discipline. Like I, you know, I you'll you could throw a rock through my window at breakfast time, you know, at seven o'clock, and you can hit me in the head in the sitting in the same chair, drinking out of the same coffee cup, eating the exact same breakfast every single day. Of my life for the most part. And you will see me run the same routine and have the exact same process that I have every day. And, and it's not because I'm as attracted to the process, it's because I'm attracted to the result. And what I find is when I don't do the process, and it used to be, by the way, years ago, I would actually, you know, oh, I'm on vacation. I could take a break from being so militant, right? And what I found is I was less happy. I was less fulfilled. I was less, my diet, my eating, my health, everything kind of went astray and I didn't feel as good. So now I even maintain these disciplines through vacation, because I just find them to be successful. There are still disciplines I wish I was better at. But for the most part, if I find if I lack onto a discipline and a structure, I'm going to do it over and over and over again until I get the desired result. And that that's likely the biggest secret I can give anybody generally for life. But in business, that's been my number one biohack is discipline.
1: So what I took out of that is if anyone's ever trying to hunt you down, you make it easy on them. On <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: That's right. If you know yeah. my address, you could find me in the same chair every morning. Yes, that's that's true.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, I, I agree. Discipline is, I think, the bedrock of just most successful individuals because it just lays the framework for everything you do. So discipline is important. One of the other things I know we sometimes like to do is a book reference. Is there a book to the law firm owners listening to this that you'd recommend either reading or listening to, depending on how they consume the book? I can't give you one
0: because so in 1993, it's earmarked because that was the year that my friends, I was in mortuary school, I was 23 years old. I was in mortuary school and my friends in mortuary school all were going to see the movie The Firm. Uh, with tom cruise in it and they had all read the book and i was not a reader i didn't i thought i always i always said i fall asleep when i read i was bored when i read whatever it was all bs Mm -hmm. Uh, um so anyway they said no no no, you got to read the book and they peer pressured me into reading the book and i read the book and then i went to the movie with them and i'm like ew. the movie movie was good but it wasn't anything as good as the book and i instantly got Mm -hmm. hooked on books and i was like oh All right. Cool. Because I love movies. But now I realize, oh, wow, my mind's eye is a much better movie than even the movie itself. And so let's read more books. And so I made a commitment in 1993 to read a book a week. And so from 1993 till, till, till recently, I will tell you I read a book a week. Now I no longer read a book a week to completion to fit some goal. Now I read my books to Revelation. So I'll read a book until I see a point that needs to be implemented and I'll start to implement it. And the reason for that is because I used to read books for the point of completing them so I could check the box off to say that I read the book in that week so I could be true to myself and integral with what I said I was going to do. And I found myself burning through the books, but never stopping and implementing. And I had so many books back in the day that would have, you know, earmarked bent over corners and dog-eared books that I wanted to go back to, but I never actually got back to because I was on to the next book. Right. So. Right. Now I read the Revelation, and I'll, and I'll have four, or five, or six books open on Audible, two or three, four books open on uh, the Kindle at all times. But I will tell you this: so, so you're asking me the question. So, what what are the? There are some books that I make sure I religiously reread or re-listen to, and so they are, and not in any particular order, but they are. Atlas Shrugged which is a fictional book about from Ayn Rand about theory of objectivity but it is a wonderful business book and mindset about how the business owner thinks it's a very very long read but it's in my opinion one of the greatest books written about that subject and then it is and then the other one is obviously think and grow rich was one of the very first book that was given to me in 1987 that took me almost 4 years to read Because I didn't read, as I admitted to you, and it was when it was like back in 2023 or whatever, when I picked it back up again and read it because I was now part of my book, A Week Club. Dan Kennedy's Ruthless Management of Time and People, massively important book of understanding the value of your time and how to manage time and manage yourself around time and manage your people. Good to Great by Jim Collins is just another uh, one I'll read on a regular basis. And The 4-Hour Workweek, and not because The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss is a hack to work four hours a week. In fact, anybody who has read it knows that the book, the title was really, you know, it was was just something, it was clickbait, right? But The 4-Hour Workweek, because it just provides, (laughs) yeah, it worked, but it, it provides some great practical advice. And... And it's a real head nod for me because it was the book that helped me break away from being stuck to a physical location and realize I can operate anywhere. And it was really the book that gave me the courage to move to Phoenix and be able to build my my business the way that I wanted to. So those are the those are the few I would give you to start with.
1: All great recommendations and to the law firm owners listening, seriously, take those to heart. Very, very good reads. Um, So. There's obviously a lot of things happening in our world always, (laughs) but what's got you most fired up and excited today?
0: Yeah. So today, you know, we have uh, doubled down and recommitted to the legal niche because we're always asking ourselves, can we take what we teach and teach it other businesses? Because my business is noted from yours. And we've really doubled down and we've said, no, no, we are committed to the legal niche. This is where we're going to be. This is I'm probably going to die doing this. Hopefully I don't die anytime soon, but, you know, I'm probably doing this because I like what I do and so do you. And now so I'm really excited about the new framework we're developing for law firm owners to understand both where they are as a law firm owner, how are they classified as a law firm owner based by taking an assessment? So working on some assessments to help them understand are they level one, level two, or level three law firm owner? We won't get it. We don't have enough time to get into all that. And then the <laughs> secondary one is giving them a framework to understand what's working, what's not working in their business, and having to be able to use assessments to identify is it your client attraction, is it your profit or cash flow pipeline, is it your people pipeline, or is your process pipeline that's broken and figuring out how to go about fixing that. So I'm really excited about that release and and what we're developing, and we're in beta with that now. So that's what's got me excited at this very moment.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a great reason to be excited. Like you said, a lot to be excited about around here. And that's one of the things. So I appreciate you being on and sharing everything you did today. Obviously, if people want to learn more about us, where should they go?
0: Yeah, I think you go to yourpracticemaster.com. Certainly, you know, listen to these podcasts because I didn't want this to be, I hope this didn't come across as a, pitch for us or Partners Club or anything else. I hope that they derived lessons from this as they were listening to the lessons I went through, because there's some really good ones. And they're really the foundation, why the foundation that I built everything on and now you build everything on. So but yeah, go to, go to your Practice Mastered and check us out. Grab one of our free copies of our book or subscribe to the podcast so you can get new episodes all the time.
1: Absolutely. And to the law firm owners listening, I hope you like this little peek behind the curtain or the mic. Again, if you're watching or listening to learn a little bit more about Richard James, the background context of kind of how he came to be and why he's working with law firm owners today and what we're all excited about around here. But if you did take the time to listen and this is not your first time listening or watching, we have what we call the gentleman's agreement around here. So we just ask if that is you, take a moment, make sure to hit that like button, comment. Did you like this little peek behind the curtain? Did you like learning a little bit more about the hosts or hosts behind this podcast? And then don't forget to hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on where you're watching or listening, as we appreciate it. And of course, if you know another law firm owner or even business owner that's uh, listening or could use this, share it with them. It never hurts. And I think it's a nice little touch to be able to learn a little bit more about the hosts of the show that you listen to. So I appreciate you very much for watching. Rich, obviously appreciate you sharing for everything you did. And I think there was a lot of great lessons for the law firm owners listening to pull out from today.
0: Yeah, man, I appreciate you, Michael, as you know, I, I really can't finish this podcast without saying thank you to you. Thank you for you to, to to joining our company, bringing your talents. I told your brother one day when he said, hey, well, how about giving me a, da- a job, dad? And I said, fine, I can give you a job, but would you rather me give you a job or would you rather go out and become so valuable that I want to recruit you? And, and that's what you did. You went out and made yourself so valuable that I really wanted to have you as a partner. And when that was something that you uh, wanted to do, it became very exciting to me. So thanks for joining uh, our company. It excites me every day that I get to work with my son. Maybe someday we'll wrangle your brother into this crazy world that we live in, but appreciate you. And thanks for doing a great interview today.
1: Absolutely. Appreciate the opportunity and looking forward to continuing in our words, selling and serving. Selling and serving. All right. That's it. Thanks guys.